Our first scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 42, verse 1 to 4 and verse 11, and can be found on page 556. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Our next reading is from Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. It's on page 957. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And our third reading is again in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, starting at verse 16 to 21. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is on scene. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the richness of poetry in the Psalms, for the written accounts of Jesus, your son's life, and the ways that all those things continue to speak to us, to encourage us in our faith, to challenge us in this journey as a community. Speak to us again afresh today. Speak clearly so that we can hear and understand and obey. We pray all this in your name. Amen. We have a complex relationship with our food. We li live in a society where fast food is endemic, where diets run cycles from latest trend to debunked to internet meme and back again all in the course of weeks. We ritualistically pause to take a photo of the food that we're about to eat, and we call it food porn. 
And then we use words like heavenly and divine and even devilish to describe it. Then there's detoxing and juice cleanses and all the moral questions we have about why and how we should eat what we eat. And the list goes on and on. Right? It's, it's complicated. Food is complicated. It's complicated on just that philosophical level of our relationship with it. But it's also complicated on a really practical level on the level of so many of us having money from day to day and fridges full of food and wondering, what are we going to eat? It's complicated in the question of who's going to make dinner tonight and when will I find the time to meal plan and to grocery shop and when will I pack my lunch for tomorrow or my family's lunches for tomorrow. Food takes up a lot of our time. It takes up a lot of space in the world, and it makes sense that it would. We need food in order to survive. It allows us to function and care for our families, to go to work or to school, to do all those other things that define our lives. And when we haven't had enough to eat, when we're late for our usual meal hour, our bodies let us know, don't they? Our stomachs start to rumble, we get hangry, that's something I experience sometimes. Maybe our blood sugar drops and we get tired or a piercing headache. Our bodies are letting us know that they want food. They try to convince us that we need food now when it's likely only been five hours since our last meal maybe only one hour since our last snack. I've had times when I can't finish writing an email because it's one o'clock and I just want lunch. Sometimes it seems that our stomachs are the things that most easily dictate the ways that our days go and that most clearly rule our lives. This week, we're continuing our examination of the practices of Jesus, the ways of Jesus which form in us resurrection life. And today we'll consider the practice of fasting, of willingly choosing to abstain from all or just certain kinds of food and drink. And I'm gonna be really honest with you right off the top, this one is tricky. It's tricky to talk about because there are two realities which we need to hold simultaneously in our minds while we talk about something like fasting. The first is that our bodies are good. And the second is that our bodies are not everything. Emphasizing either one of these two things can be troubling and can lead us down all kinds of bad paths. So with everything else I'm going to say this morning, I need you to remember those two things. Our bodies are good. God made them and called them good. They are temples to the Holy Spirit. They are filled with the Spirit's presence. We should take care of them. We should meet their needs. And our bodies are not everything. Sometimes our bodies are happy to take all of our attention, not just some of it. Sometimes we prioritize our bodies to the detriment of our spiritual and our mental health, both of which are critical to our functioning as whole and complete persons. So we have these two things to hold in tension today. Does that make sense with you? Are you with me? 
Yeah? Yeah? Good. I need you to do that work for me, to remember those two things, to hold them in your mind the whole time. Our bodies, good as they are, are so adept at seeking what they need. That's what helps us to survive. We don't just forget to eat, right? It's good that they do this for us. We've dehydrated ourselves, we feel thirsty, and we get something to drink. Our stomach is empty and we feel hungry, so we find something to eat. These physical feelings and impulses are tough for us to ignore, so much so that they can in fact overwhelm any similar urgent needs that we may have in other facets of our being. This is why I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. A beautiful simile that illustrates the soul-filled thirst to be in God's presence. A thirst that I do not believe is limited to the psalmist, but is in fact descriptive of the human condition itself. We are made to be in God's presence, and our souls, they long for that. Our souls hunger and they thirst to be in the presence of their maker. We see this kind of hunger for relationship in all kinds of ways in our world, right? We, we see children and their need for their parents' attention. We feel it ourselves in our relationships with those who we love. And the same is true for all people and their relationship with God. As children of our Father, it's right that we should desire our Father's attention and concern and presence. We hunger for it. We need it to survive and we need to be aware of it to thrive. And it's just this that Jesus points out as he responds to his temptation, that man shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. God spoke us into life. Does it not make sense that God speaking to us and with us would continue to be life for us? Sometimes we feel that soul thirst for the presence of God. Some of you may be able to recount times or seasons where you have just longed for more of God, where that's been a great preoccupation of yours. But what I suspect is that those seasons of your life have often been the troubled ones, the turbulent ones, the difficult ones, and that when things are going well, or at least well enough, we're easily able to forget this hunger. The hunger which our soul cries out with is covered over by the rush of each day, by the demands of classrooms and offices and nurseries. The constant rhythm of hunger and thirst, eating and drinking bursts of energy and heavy eyelids. So just as we need to create space for silence and solitude to hear God's voice, and just like we need to carve out time for Sabbath and rest in our schedules, so too do we need to create time to attend to the hunger and thirst that is beyond the physical. When I fasted, I found it helpful to allow the hunger and thirst that I feel in those hours to serve as a reminder of the hunger and thirst which has often gone unnoticed in my life. When I've neglected prayer, 
when I've neglected silence and my soul has gone hungry for the provision of God. In those hours of fasting, we're able to allow our physical needs to remind us of the spiritual needs which we can address in time spent not preparing our next meal, not in consuming food, but in prayer, seeking God's will, desiring more of God in us and more of God's action in our lives and in the world. Jesus actually makes it clear that this is the purpose of fasting. It wasn't read for us this morning, but in Matthew 9, Jesus is confronted by some of his cousin John's disciples. And these disciples are concerned because they say, the Pharisees, they fast all the time. But your disciples, Jesus, they never seem to be fasting. What's going on with these people? How are they holy or right to be following you? And Jesus answers, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. Psalm 42 and Jesus' experience in the wilderness only hint at what Jesus says plainly here. Fasting is used in an effort to seek the presence of God who seems absent, to hear the voice of God that we have not attended to, to receive the sustenance of God for our very souls that we can often ignore. In fasting, we are once more able to observe our own need for God to sustain us, that we are weak and frail creatures, longing for the next meal of meat and bread, and that only God can truly um, provide for our lives. This is what fasting offers to us, an opportunity to seek out living water and the food which satisfies When Jesus was there, present with his disciples, they could have all their needs filled as he broke bread with them and talked with them and heard their concerns and met their needs in the moment. But then Jesus ascended, and we mourn the ways that we cannot yet find the full satisfaction of God's presence, the ways that we require the practice of fasting as a part of our lives to draw our attention to the hunger that we still have, the panting of our souls within us, the need for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to provide for us and to urge us on to give undivided attention to the work of addressing and responding to God. Addressing and responding to God, of course, is prayer. Right? That's all prayer is. And fasting and prayer go hand in hand. Fasting without prayer is either spiritual puffery or just an attempt at dieting. It's when food and physical hunger give way to spiritual hunger that we naturally meet that need with prayer, with seeking the presence of the one we long to be with and finding in that presence the nourishment for us and resurrection life itself. It's for this very reason that when Jesus addresses fasting in the Sermon on the Mount, it actually echoes the very same form of Jesus' instructions on prayer. Do not be like the hypocrites. Don't let it be a public show. They've received their reward in full. Do what you do in secret. Your Father will reward you. 
In this teaching of Jesus, every instruction that we hear about fasting is an instruction that we've already heard about prayer. This is no mistake, because fasting is prayer. Fasting is a declaration of our spiritual dependence upon God for bread and for water which satisfies. And it leads us into more focused and deeper times of prayer. And so it should be done prayerfully and not boastfully. We come humbly seeking God's sustaining work in our lives, acknowledging the need that we have for God's presence and desiring to be so filled as to always remember that need and goodness again and again, to not neglect the nourishment of our whole being, body, yes, but also spirit. The scriptures are rich with conversations about food. Our culture is not unique in this fascination. Scripture talks about milk and honey bought without price, the Passover lamb and the lamb of God, whose flesh we eat and whose blood we drink, about living water which overflows to eternal life, physical things which take on spiritual meaning and importance, pointing us toward another reality. So Jesus encourages us to not store up treasure on earth, where moths eat and rust or vermin destroy. Jesus encourages us to store up treasure in heaven where no vermin will eat your food because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Fasting ultimately is the work of treasuring God, aligning our hearts to that treasure in heaven and not the pleasure of indulging ourselves for this day of from time to time allowing our body to go without the things that it's sure it needs every moment and instead attending to our spirits. Because as I'm sure you know, we only have so much attention to give. And fasting diverts our attention for the moment from our body to our spirit, which we too often and too easily neglect. It's no wonder to me that Jesus is led into the wilderness to fast as he does. Not only do we see in this time his temptations, we also see so clearly how he hungers for the will of the Father to be done. How he treasures his Father's presence more than he hungers for bread or the treasures of the kingdoms of the earth. In fasting, Jesus aligns himself wholly to God's mission and he receives from his Father the sustenance he needs for a life of earthly ministry. So too, when we fast, I think we should expect the same. Expect no less of God. We should expect that God will align our hearts to his will and to his way, that he will provide us what we need to achieve the purposes he sent us for, we should prioritize the nourishment of our spirits, seek the presence of God. We should find that the rewards we seek are increasingly the very things that God has always longed to do in our lives, the work he's desired to accomplish through us, in our families, in our work, in the world. In the fullness of prayer, we become grounded and rooted again in the realities of the truth of God's promises. Goodness in this life, yes, 
but better things yet in the world that God is revealing. And fasting affords us the time and the space to name that priority, to identify the hunger we have for a more just world and for more of God's presence, and to seek it out unencumbered for the moment by the regular patterns of eating and drinking, to give up the things that so easily define our days, and to reset and to reorient, and to go back into those rhythms refreshed by God, encouraged in our work. Church, you are invited this week to fast, to fast at some point, fast in a way that's healthy for you. If you're a teenager or your blood sugar is a concern, make sure to drink lots of juice. If you have dietary restrictions, consult your doctor because your bodies are good. They're still important. You need to do this wisely. If you can't easily give up food, give up coffee and use those cravings to the same end. But if you're healthy, if you know the ways that you can make this work or you're willing to try, fast. Give up food for some time this week. Maybe it's simple and you just choose to stop snacking between meals. Allow that time that you would spend to become a prayer when you feel hungry in those in-between times. Perhaps choose to skip lunch regularly this week and allow those body aches for food to remind you of the aching of your spirit for the presence of God. Or choose a 24-hour period where you will go without food. And through those hunger pangs, remember how your soul thirsts for the presence of its maker. As you enter into your fast, whatever it might look like, I pray that you would notice the panting of your spirit for God's presence. And you would find in those hours God's provision. That in communion with God, the spiritual food you're offered in those hours, you might respond in gratitude with acts of service, knowing the love of your Father, the abiding presence of the Son, and the continued movement and work of the Holy Spirit in your life and through you to the world. Amen. Pray with me. As the deer pants for streams of water, so our souls pant for you, our God. God, you are a good father. And just as even wicked earthly fathers provide bread for their children, we know that in your goodness you provide good gifts to us. You provide the very things we need for life physically and spiritually. And so we ask that you would strengthen us this week. Encourage us to find the day or the times when we will fast and stir in our spirits so we can sense the hunger that has been there for some time, the continual longing we have for you and meet us. Meet us, we pray. Provide for our needs. Refresh us in your love. 
We pray this in your strong and powerful name. Amen.